On November 10th, 1985, a hunter was finishing up an unsuccessful day in Bear Brook State Park in Allenstown, New Hampshire. Walking along a roadway, he passed by a long-forgotten store that had been burned down. He paused as he heard an excitement rise up from children who were playing in the area from a nearby trailer park. The children were rolling around a 55-gallon steel drum. The lid broke free, and the children ran off screaming. Curious, the hunter approached the barrel. He proceeded to reach inside. Inside, he found a plastic garbage bag partially ripped open, which showed the skeletal remains of an adult female and the partially skeletized body of a young child. He immediately ran away from the scene and flagged down a passing motorist who drove him into town so that he could call police and tell them about his gruesome discovery. The investigation began, but there was more, much more to be uncovered, including two more victims found 15 years later and a substantial lead in the case 32 years after the first two bodies were discovered. This is Unsolved Mysteries of the World, Season 4, Episode 5, The Bear Brook Murders. Shortly after the bodies were reported, police began an intensive investigation. Because of the state of the bodies and how they were preserved inside the plastic bag and barrel, Detectives could not come to a conclusion as to when the murders had taken place. They estimated that both the woman and the child had died from blunt force trauma, sometimes between 1977 and 1985. They determined that the woman would have been a Caucasian and Native American in heritage. She had curly or wavy brown hair and stood between 5'2 and 5'7". Her teeth showed significant dental work, including multiple fillings and extractions. They estimated her age to be between 23 and 33. The girl found with the adult female was between 4'3 and 4'6, and she had wavy, short brown hair. She had no dental fillings and had a noticeable gap in her front teeth. They believed the child to be between 5 and 11 years of age. The grounds were scoured and leads were virtually non-existent. Police publicized the discovery across the United States and into Canada in hopes of identifying the victims first and eventually leading them to a possible suspect. Detectives believed that the murders could have been an act of domestic violence. They were not known to be reported missing by their family members, so police have speculated that someone close to them like the woman's husband or the children's father or fathers, might have been the perpetrator. Weeks went by. Months went by. And years went by. But no credible leads, however, ever came in. The case was cold, almost right from the beginning. The case was handed over to several different cold case investigators and re-examined multiple times. Even though the crime seemed horrific, no one came forward to identify the missing woman and the young child. Fifteen years later, a sergeant new to the cold case decided to visit the original discovery site to get a feel for the location. He walked outward from the barrel discovery site and around the crime scene location. Further into the bushes, 
he spotted something that made him stop in his tracks. Another barrel. Hey guys, if you are looking for some great travel advice, check out www.experiencethis360.com. There are some amazing travel guides to cities such as San Diego, Memphis, and Phoenix, and locations like Italy and France, as well as exotic locations like India and Thailand. You can read the travel guides at experiencethis360.com or listen to them as a podcast. You can find the podcast on their website or at your favorite podcast directory like iTunes, Stitcher, or Player FM. There are also great travel articles and topics including how to fly to Europe super cheap or where to find the cheapest and best backpack for travel. Check it out at www.experiencethis360.com. Police and FBI descended on the scene of the newly discovered barrel, and upon opening, they found the remains of two young children. The investigation was once again brought into the national spotlight. Investigators found that one child was between two to four years old and had a similar gap in her front teeth, leading them to believe the children were most likely related and perhaps sisters. The other body was that of another young girl, estimated to be between one and three, and this one had long blonde hair, and she had also had a gap in her front teeth. Even with this new discovery and new publicity, the victims were not identified. Again, no credible leads came forth, and the case was once again cold. In the years that followed, police conducted DNA tests on the victims, It showed that at least two of the three children found in the barrels were, in fact, related to the woman who was found with them. However, detectives never determined the nature of their relationship. The woman could have been the mother, an aunt, or even an older sister of the girls, whose haunting, unsolved murder had frustrated police for decades. It seemed oddly strange that no one had reported a missing woman, and no one had reported three missing children, all of these years. Police sketch artists released a photo of what the victims would have looked like, and the police pleaded with locals to try to remember anything that would identify the woman and the children, but no locals had remembered ever seeing them, even in passing. In June 2013, new versions of the victims' facial reconstructions were created by the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. These versions incorporated their dental information, showing how their front teeth could have affected the appearance of their faces. The reconstructions were created in black and white, as their skin tones and eye colors could not be determined. In November 2015, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children released a third set of reconstructions of the four victims at a news conference at the New Hampshire State Attorney General's office. At this time, more DNA evidence was determined. It showed that the woman, oldest, and youngest girls were maternally related. This meant that the woman could have been the girl's mother, aunt, and even older sister. Advanced forensic testing showed the two- to four-year-old stood out from the rest. 
the girl probably spent most of her childhood in either the Upper Northeast or Upper Midwest, perhaps Wisconsin, according to the DNA profile. Again, even with all this information surfacing, no one came forward, and the case was again deemed cold. Until a major tip came in from over 3,000 miles away. The tip that came in would change the dynamic of the whole investigation. In May of 2017, a woman in California who had been abandoned by her father in a trailer park in 1985 learned that her mother was Denise Bodin, who had disappeared from New Hampshire in 1981 with her then-boyfriend, Bob Evans. This led police to wonder what happened to Bodin. If Evans and Bodin had disappeared together and Evans abandoned the child, where was Bodin? They began to speculate that Evans had killed her sometimes after they left New Hampshire, and when police checked Evans's DNA against their forensic database, they discovered that he was in fact the father of one of the girls found in the barrels. Evans had already been convicted in the murder of another California woman named Unsan Jun in 2002, and Evans died in jail in 2010. Authorities believe that Bob Evans killed a total of three women and three girls, including the victims found in the barrels. They say that his pattern involved inventing a false identity and claiming to be a single father to attract his next victim, usually another woman with children. He would then proceed to molest the children and kill the woman he was with. After moving to California from New Hampshire in 1981, and, according to authorities, murdering his girlfriend Denise Bodin along the way, Bob Evans lived as a drifter doing odd jobs. He assumed a new identity and even served time in jail, but was never questioned by police about any other possible crimes or murders. In 2001, Bob Evans, a.k.a. Curtis Kimball, met Unsun Jun, and the two quickly fell in love with each other and married that same year. A year later, his wife was nowhere to be found. Bob Evans said she had run off with another man, but his story kept changing. Jun's friends suspected something was wrong since she had not communicated for over four months with her family or friends, and they filed the missing persons report. Police acquired a warrant to search Kimball's home, and there they found a mound of cat litter under the house, with Jun's dismembered remains mummified underneath it. Murder charges were brought against Curtis Kimball, who later they discovered had over a dozen aliases, including Bob Evans. He changed his name frequently and lived in as many as 11 states and even lived in Canada for some time. He traveled around as an electrician and mechanic and posing as a helpless single father. The true amount of victims would never be known as Bob Evans claimed he was innocent and did not do anything wrong to anybody. The press dubbed him the Chameleon Killer, and the police finally found out the true identity of Bob Evans. Through modern DNA advancements, they learned that Bob Evans was really Terence Terry Peder Rasmussen. He was born in 1945 in Denver, and after a discharge from the Navy, 
lived in Arizona in California with his wife and four children before a divorce around 1974. After decades of extensive tracking, one of his sons from that marriage provided the DNA sample that finally identified Rasmussen, the chameleon, whose real identity had finally been determined, is almost certainly the killer of the four Bear Brook females, the New Hampshire Attorney General announced in 2017. Authorities determined that the case was no more than likely solved. The presumed killer was prosecuted in previous crimes and had died in prison. But the mystery still remains. Who was the woman in the barrel? Who were these children? And why had no one missed them when they vanished? And then there are the missing women and children around New Hampshire, including neighbors of Rasmussen. Authorities believe some of these cases are connected. But to this day, all of them remain unsolved. Thank you for listening to Unsolved Mysteries of the World. If you enjoyed this episode, remember to find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, or your other favorite podcast directory, and subscribe, rate, and review. We would really appreciate your support. If you haven't already, join us on Facebook to enhance this episode with photos, illustrations, and lively discussion. Look for our suggested links and do share this podcast with others. Perhaps you or someone you know will have a solution to this mystery. This podcast is created by Cold Rasta Studios and includes music and sound effects by John Savoy, Albert Ray, Gerardo Garcia Jr., Rana Szilard, Madia Cupelli, Alex Lisi, Martin Kahlberg, and Adrian von Ziegler.